You're listening to the Deeper Christian Bible Study Series on Ephesians. Thanks for joining me, Nathan Johnson, in an in-depth, verse-by-verse study of Paul's letter to the Ephesians. Let's dive into the lesson for the day. In these past two studies, we examined verses 1 and 2, which is the prologue or the introduction section for the book. And today, I want to enter into the first major content section of the book of Ephesians. Now, as a quick review, Ephesians is split nicely in half. The first three chapters is the theological or the, or the uh, content section, if you will, of the book. Paul's major thrust is saying your position is in Christ Jesus. And then he transitions into chapters four through six and says, now that you know your position, how do you practically live that out day by day? So we're here in the very first section in this theological or content section. And again, the whole purpose of the section is Paul's declaring your position is in Jesus Christ. Well, when you look at this first blessings section, which starts in verse three and goes down to verse 14, Paul begins to list the blessings that God has for you. Now, this is not a full list, but it is a grand overview of the blessings that we have access to as believers in Jesus Christ. And there are three distinct sections in this, in this section. So each of these sections, you'll notice in verse 3 through 14, end with this phrase, to the praise of his glory. So the very first section is verse 3 down to verse 6, which is the blessings we have in the Father. Verse 7 down to verse 12 is the blessings we have in the Son. And verses 13 and 14 are the blessings we have in the Spirit. Now, when you go back through Scripture, this idea of blessing is really, really significant. And it appears of it is it's something more than just mere words. It's interesting to note that the very first thing that God did after he created humans was to bless them. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 27 and 28, it says this, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And you see that God creates humanity and the very first thing he pronounces blessing upon him. Uh, When you come into the line of Abraham, God blesses Abraham and gives him a promise. And you'll notice that what begins to happen from Abraham is that each of the descendants are desiring that blessing. Isaac wanted the blessing. In fact, the best picture of this is Jacob Jacob and Esau. Uh, You know the story well, but uh, here's Esau, and he's the firstborn, which means he has all the rights. He has the birthright, and he gets the blessing. But Jacob was so desirous of those that he literally bought the birthright with a bowl of soup, or a bowl of lentils, really, and then he stole the blessing from Esau. See, there was something about this blessing thing. Uh, If you turn to Numbers 22, there's this great and rather odd story of Balak, king of Moab, and the prophet Balaam. And Balak, king of Moab, hires this prophet named Balaam to come and pronounce a curse upon the Israelites. And three times, Balaam stands up and says, all right, here I go. Here's a curse. And what comes out of his mouth is a blessing. See, over and over and over throughout the Old Testament, there is something significant about this idea of blessing. And it's more than just mere words. There's something contained in this idea of blessing. In Luke chapter 2, verse 28, Jesus is born. And the, his parents bring him uh, you know, to the temple to be circumcised. And, and there's this old man named Simeon who holds him up. And what does he do? He blesses him. See, blessing throughout scripture is really significant. 
So as we come into verse three, verse three kind of gives the context or the basis for the entire blessing section. And we must understand verse three to properly understand all the blessings that Paul has moving forward. So the reason for this is because Paul explains or emphasizes that all the blessings, everything that he's going to say in verses 3 through 14 is actually contained in one single blessing. And it's through this one blessing that all the blessings flow from. So don't get lost there. There's a whole bunch of blessings listed in verses 3 through 14. But technically, it's talking about one single blessing. And they're just different aspects or different ways of articulating that one single blessing. So let me read verse 3 to you. Ephesians 1.3, Paul declares, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. You'll notice that there were three words there for the word blessing. The word blessing shows up three times. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Now, what's really neat is that it's the exact same Greek word, but it's in three different grammatical forms. So one's an adjective, one is ver- one's a verb, and one's a noun. Now, I want to walk th- through this with you because when you begin to see this, it opens up in a phenomenal way. So the first time this word is used, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, and it's an adjective. It's describing who God is. Now, this word blessing is actually two Greek words put together. You have the Greek word you, which means good, and logos, which is words. In other words, it's good words being declared. In fact, our English word eulogy comes from this word. Well, well, what's a eulogy? Well, you know, we go down down to the funeral and someone stands up and they they pronounce the eulogy. They, they, They speak blessing upon the person who has died. They brag on the person. And isn't it sad that we wait till they die to do that? But it's interesting that this word, this speaking good words or something being declared that's good is often translated to bless or to praise. Now, when this word is used as an adjective in the New Testament, every single time it always refers to God. As if this word for blessing, when it's used to describe someone, the only one who is worthy of being described as blessed is God himself. And I think that's probably a good true statement. Do you realize that, that no one else is worthy of worship like God is? See, see, no human can declare, hey, I deserve the praise and the glory. I am blessed. No, no, you are not. God himself is blessed. And what's interesting is that God himself is the source of his own blessedness. See, he, he does not, he is not blessed because we worship him or we praise him. See, he is blessed because he is. He lives in a state of blessing. He lives in a state of praise. Why? Because that is who he is. And when we gather together to praise and worship him, we're merely declaring something that he already is. See, every time that we talk about God, it should be done out of praise and blessing. See, God's not some mean, nasty God waiting to stomp on your head. He's a good, merciful, grace-filled, loving God who doesn't want us to remain as we are. Yes, he hates sin in our lives, and he desires to redeem and to purify and to sanctify us and to make us holy. So so here's the picture. God is blessed. 
And the picture is here's God. He's sitting upon his throne and he's just, he, he is blessedness. He, he just, he doesn't have blessedness. He, that's who he is on the insides. That he just, he is praiseworthy. He is, he is full of blessing. That it's like there's this fog or this atmosphere, this mist of, of blessedness that he lives within. So here's God sitting upon the throne, living in this environment, this atmosphere of blessing. Well, the second time this word shows up, it's a verb. And it says, who has blessed us? In fact, the actual word blessed here is actually a participle. Don't get lost. But as a participle, it's acting as an adverb, which describes and gives content to the main verb. But here's the hard thing. In this verse, there is no main verb. And so we've supplied it. It's the word has. God has blessed us. So, so again, here's the picture. God's sitting upon the throne and he is so blessed. He is so praiseworthy. There's just this atmosphere of blessing coming through him. And it's like something bubbles up from his toes and grabs a hold of him and says, hey, you must do something about this blessedness. You are so blessed. And God says, all right, I'm going to do something about it. What does God do? Oh, he speaks forth blessing. Think about this. That he has, God has blessed us. And it's not just, he's like giving us this little, whoop, here's a blessing. That emanating out of who he is himself, see something bubbles forth in this blessed God, this praiseworthy God, and he speaks forth and gives us blessing, which is not something outside of him, it's him. Just a quick side note, do you realize that, that we are blessed by God, which then in turn causes us to turn around and give thanks and praise and worship to him? So in a sense, here is a blessed God who is really speaking forth and pouring out blessing upon us. And as he does, and we become blessed, we can't contain that any longer. We have to turn that around and go and spit blessing back to God. Isn't that a great idea? That God is really worshiping himself through us. God is blessing himself through us. Why? Because he is the blessed God. And as he is dumping blessing upon us, it really forces, we cannot just keep it to ourselves. Mm, I love that. The third word that shows up on this idea of blessed is, is a noun. And it, it's the phrase, with every spiritual blessing. Now, the word here, spiritual, uh, does not refer to the content or, or the kind of blessing, but rather the source of the blessing itself, which is God. So we have this blessed God who is speaking for blessing. And what is the blessing he is speaking? <gasps> it's himself. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? So get this. The blessing that God has blessed you with cannot be earned. You cannot work for it. You cannot earn it. It only comes by and through him. Now, Paul says the blessing that God is speaking upon you is every spiritual blessing. But what's interesting is the word blessing is actually in the singular. There's only one blessing, which tells you that in verses 4 through down through verse 14, as he's listing on all the other blessings, there are merely aspects or features of this one single blessing. Well, what is the blessing? Oh, get this. Every spiritual blessing that you have, Paul says, is in Christ. Do you realize that the blessing itself is Jesus? That, <clears throat> that here's, here's the picture. God sitting upon the throne and just emanating out of him. What bubbles forth is just is this state of blessedness, this atmosphere of praise and, and, and adoration. Why? Because he is a blessed God. And something bubbles up and says, hey, you've got to do something about this blessedness. And God says, all right, I'm going to. And so what does God do? He speaks forth blessing upon you. And what is the blessing? It is Jesus. 
Now get this, everything that God wants for you is contained in Jesus. He, Jesus, is the answer to every question, to every problem, and every need of our lives. I, I quote this passage all the time. I love this. In 2 Peter 1.3, Peter declares that his divine power, speaking of Jesus, has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and by virtue. Do you realize that in Jesus, all things that you need for life and godliness. See, there's nothing outside of Jesus that I need. See, if, 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 if everything of life and everything of godliness is found in Jesus, that's all I need. See, what, what else do I need outside of life and godliness? I can't think of a single thing. And the fullness of that is Jesus. So what Paul's saying here is that Jesus is to be our sole focus. He is to be central in our life. He is to be our North Star that points us. He's the compass of our life, that we are to build our lives around him. Is it possible that everything that God has for us is found in one single place? One of my other mentors, Stephen Manley, has given this illustration several times, but I just want to give it to you. I think it's a great picture. See, so oftentimes we, we see God as a store clerk. And uh, so I have this need in my life. And so I bang on the door of God and I say, God, I, I really need some love right now. I'm just, I'm just desperate for love. And he says, hey, I, I, got, I got what you need. And so he goes into the back room and, and grabs a jar called love. And, and he hands me a pill and says, oh, here's the pill of love. And I pop the pill and, whoo, man, I've got my love. And I run out the door. And, you know, it's not too long after I run out the door that I go, oh, it's not love that I needed. It was really joy. So I run back in and I say, God, thank you for the love. I do appreciate that. But I really need some joy. Oh, could you give me some joy? God says, oh, got what you need. And goes in the back room, grabs his jar called joy and pops me a pill. And I go, woo, I got joy. And I just start bubbling, jumping around. And I run out the door. Oh, it's not what I needed at all, actually. And I run back in. God, I need patience. I need patience. Now, I need patience. Now, God, I need patience. God goes, hey, hey, settle down. Got what you need. Goes in the back room, gets to this jar, possibly. See, God does not do that. God is not some store clerk. Do you know what God does? I run in, God, I need some love. Do you know what he's going to give me? He doesn't give me love. He gives me Jesus, which becomes my love. See, see, I say, God, I need joy. God doesn't give me joy. He gives me Jesus, who becomes my joy. Psalm 1611, at the right hand of the Father are pleasures forevermore. Literally, contained in Him is the fullness of joy. I run to God, God, I, I need peace, I need patience, I need kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Do you know what He's going to give me? He doesn't give me those things apart from Jesus. He gives me Jesus. And the reason that is so phenomenal is that when I have Jesus, think about this, I have everything that I need. See, when, when, when He gives me Jesus, I have the love and I have the joy and I have the peace and the patience and the kindness, the goodness, the faithfulness, the gentleness, and the self-control. I have everything that I need for life and for, God, for godliness. Oh, isn't that a phenomenal reality? God is not some store clerk. And when God gives me something, he gives me one single thing, Jesus. Now think about this. If everything that God has for you is found in one single place, which is Jesus, why wouldn't you recklessly abandon and forsake everything in the pursuit of that one thing? Should we not, as the writer of Hebrews exhorts us in Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, when he says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight 
and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Oh, that's my desire for you. That you will really forsake everything and run wholehearted after Jesus. In fact, that's the whole reason why I started the Deeper Christian website years ago. See, I wanted to help Christians who felt stuck and who longed for more than that they currently had to help those Christians walk in triumph and victory, to experience the greater depths within God's word and be transformed by truth and ultimately to know Jesus intimately and not just factually. So if you're looking for something more and desire to build your life around Jesus, I would encourage you to check out the hundreds of articles and resources available at deeperchristian.com. But get the point of what Paul's saying here in our passage. His point is everything is found in Jesus Christ. Every single blessing that God has for you is found in one single place. That's him. What would it look like if you got wrapped up in Jesus? What would it look like if you got wrapped up in the person? Do you recognize that if that was true, you would have all things that you need for life and for godliness? In fact, we would look at you and say, whoa, you are blessed. Why? Because you are tight with Jesus. In our next study, we're going to continue to examine verse 3. Specifically, the location of the spiritual blessings, which Paul calls the heavenly realms. It's a phrase that he uses throughout the book of Ephesians. And so if you'd like to get a jump start on this study, I encourage you to do a couple of things. Number one, again, read the entire book of Ephesians this week, preferably every single day. And I would encourage you to saturate in these verses, verses 3 through verse 14, just soak in them, read them over and over and over, ponder them, pray about them, see, uh, see what kind of observations and things you can see happening in those verses. And third, what can you discover about the heavenly realms found from the five passages where that word is used or that phrase is used throughout the book of Ephesians? Now, we're going to talk about more of that next week, but I would encourage you to do so or study that out this week. And thanks for joining me for today's study. If you would like to see an outline of this study or read a commentary version of this passage, you can do so by going to deeperchristian.com forward slash Ephesians 04 for lesson number four. Also, these weekly studies are available in audio format by, by subscribing on iTunes, now called Apple Podcasts, or by visiting deeperchristian.com forward slash Ephesians. Until next time, know I am cheering you on as you build your life fully and completely around the one single thing, Jesus Christ. See you then. Thank you for listening to this study from the Book of Ephesians with Nathan Johnson. If you would like additional resources to help you build your life around Jesus Christ, I encourage you to check out my website at deeperchristian.com. This podcast is the audio version taken from my video series in Ephesians. And if you would like to view the video version of this study, you can do so at deeperchristian.com forward slash Ephesians.